Okay, so Midrash Rabbah, it's Perches Othe, Vayaged Lo Mordechai Eskol Asher Karohu. Mordechai told to Hasach, who was the in-between person between him and Esther, and we learned that according to some, that was Daniel. So Mordechai told him everything that happened to him, Karohu. This is, of course, after the letters went out that the Jews would be destroyed the next 11 months later in the month of Adar. Omar Lahasach. So what is this expression, Asher Karohu, which means that happened to him? And the Eitz Yosef brings out that it's, it's a little bothersome because it appears like the word mikre, which means like happened by chance. And Mordechai would never assume anything is by chance. So what does it mean by what does he mean by that? So he says, Omar Lahasach, Lech, go, Emorla, tell her, Esther, Ben Bino Shal Karohu Bo Alechem. The descendant of Karohu who happened upon him, he is coming against up against us. Who's that? Amalek. Hadahu deceive, as it says in the Torah, Asher Korcha Baderech, who happened upon you on the way. So it describes Amalek as Asher Korcha Baderech, who happened upon you. That's because that's the way they saw the world, chance, no God, also Lushan of Tuma, Keri. So Mordechai is hinting to Esther, Korohu, the descendant of this Mikre person, Asher Korcha Baderech. He's the one who's coming out against us, Amalek. Okay, that's the first part, and the second part is the one I want to concentrate on. Dovar Acher, another pshat, Asher Karohu, which happened to him, to Mordechai. So you could say it's a little bit unusual because it's not only that happened to him, it happened to the whole Jewish people. What's Asher Karohu? So, Bahalom. Mordechai had a dream about this whole event. Karahu Bachalom, it happened to him in a dream. Malamed, this teaches us, Shahiz Kirla, that Mordechai reminded Esther, Es Hachalom Asher Cholam that he dreamed about this whole topic of the potential destruction of Am Yisrael Chas Shalom many years ago. And he told her the dream back then. As the Midrash continues, in the second year of Ahasuerus' reign. So his kingdom is not yet firm. He has not yet made his big party. That happened in the third year of his reign. So he's gathering his strength and his power, Ahasuerus. And at that time, Mordechai had a dream. And he told this dream at that time to Esther. This is about... Seven years ago then, because it was the second year of Ahasuerus' reign. It was in year five, if I'm remembering correctly, that Esther was called in and became the queen. And then I think three years later that everything happened with Haman. So he's reminding her of a dream of many years ago. So now here's the dream. Vayar, and Mordechai saw this in the dream. Ra'ash Gadol, there was a thunderous noise, v'chazak, and a powerful noise, ubehala, and there was great confusion al ha'oretz on the land. 
And there was trembling and fear seized all the inhabitants of the land. So something happened which was of great consequence and the world was shaking. Now, before we go further, go to the left margin, which is the Yosef. The words Yosef are blotted out on top, but it's the left margin, uh, left column, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight lines down. And we're going to kind of go back and forth, so maybe keep your finger on the Midrash too. And Vihine Ra'ash Godo, I'm in the Yosef now. Remember the left side of the page. Eight lines down on the left side of the Yosef commentary. Eight lines from the top. Just in case you don't see it, it's right here where my finger is. Right here. Left side of the page. Okay. Left side. Okay. Ra'ashgodo. So what is this tremendous noise that Mordechai is dreaming about? Hara'ad v'hapachad. The noise, I'm sorry, yeah, and the fear. V'hachoshech, and the darkness shebuchola olam, that was, that had taken hold of the whole world. It's a hint to that which is mentioned earlier in the Megillah when Homan says to Achashverosh, Im al tov, if it's pleasing to the king, I would like to destroy the entire Jewish people. And I'm going to give you 10,000 talents of silver, which is several tons of silver, to weigh into your treasury. At that moment, the whole world was shaken up. And that's what Mordechai saw in his dream, and it means spiritually too. As he says in the Yosef, continuing, The angels on high, the Chama, Ulevana, and the sun, and the moon, Roashim, Vitzoakim, they were all crying out, because of this horrible decree and the pain of the Jewish people. So Mordechai is dreaming about this future decree, and the whole world, physically and spiritually, is shaken up by what Haman wants to do to Klal Yisrael. Okay, now back to the Midrash. The Midrash continues. Yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely, that's true. And we're going to see that in a minute. It looks like he's talking about the natural world. Yeah, malachim, sun, moon. Even though it's a little bit schwer because it says yoshveha, right? Yeah, the inhabit, which usually means people. So I'm not quite sure how to resolve that because the Midrash, the way he says it from the Eitz Yosef, it's the natural universe that he's talking but that needs to be resolved. Okay, <laughs> maybe it means, hey, it means uh, uh, they're not usually called inhabitants. <laughs> it's usually people. Okay, so back in the Midrash. Vihine, back to Mordechai's dream. Shnei taninim gedolim, there were two enormous sea creatures, taninim. And they were vayariu zelikrase, and they were shouting at each other. Very loud noise, like the word teruah. Vayarhu milchama, and they waged a battle. These two sea creatures had a tremendous battle. And all of the nations of the world ran away on account of this raging battle between these Tanini. 
can I jump back to the HCOs as if they were going to go back and forth? There were two large sea creatures. That's a remis to Mordechai and Haman. They're the two large Taninim. Now, a little later in this year, I'm going to let you know why I think they were Davka sea creatures. I have an idea about it. But we have to see the rest of the Midrash first. So it's Mordechai, pardon, Mordechai and Haman, the Tanim Hagdolin. They're fighting, and everybody runs away. Back in the Midrash. And amongst all these nations who are fleeing, there's one little nation. All the nations get up against this little nation in order to eliminate even its remembrance from upon the earth. Now, of course, that goy echad katan is us. And let's see what's happening here. Now back to the Eitz Yosef. Goy echad katan. Goy hakatan hanir daf mikola umos. This small nation which is pursued by all nations. Mavuar shuhu Yisroel. That's the Jewish people. Shuhayu kulam asidim levalam. That all of the nations were going to get ready to destroy the Jews when the letters went out across the kingdom of Ahasuerus. Now, you might think, I forgot if we discussed it in this year last week or if it was a different year, I'm not sure which one it was, but people were talking about when those letters went out, was it just Amalek dispersed amongst Ahasuerus' kingdom that was going to destroy the Jews? Or did all the other nations take that as a sign like, we're going to get involved too. Of course, it's the second thing, right? It's the second thing. And that's what the, the dream is, that all the nations are going against this little tiny nation. That means once they got the letter, carte blanche, we can all go kill the Jews. So everybody is going to pitch in, not just Amolek. Not just Amolek. Dory, are you going to say something here? No, I'm just commenting that just like in the Holocaust, every, everybody pitches in. And, and even though, as we all know, that Poland now oh, wants to stay, well, yeah, it wasn't yeah, really them. It wasn't really them. Right. Oy, right. What they did to the Jews is horrible. And yes, there were many righteous Gentiles amongst the Poles, and that's known. And Baruch Hashem for them. They did heroic things. But the Polish people were absolutely cruel and horrible to the Jewish people in the Holocaust. So were the Ukrainians and Lithuanians. I mean, everybody who went through those years says that about what was happening there. And some of them were fortunate to encounter Hasidi Umo Sa'ulam, you know, who saved them. And they deserve all the credit. But to act Ke'ilu, that was representative of the kind, it's such Sheker, that how they participated in killing our, our ancestors. So here it is, that the other nations are going to pitch in and try and destroy the Jews. And so back into the Midrash. Vayihi hayom hahu. And the day came, still in the dream. And darkness reigns in the world. And this small nation was greatly distressed and in horrible pain. And they cried out to Hashem. And these two sea creatures 
are still fighting a fierce war. Mordechai and Haman. Chema, it's with heat and wrath. Vein mafid beinem, and there's nothing between them. Vayar Mordechai, then Mordechai saw in his dream, Vihine mayon mayim echad katan ovar ben shneha taninim ho'ela, and a little tiny spring appeared, and it was passing between these two fierce sea creatures. Amayon katan. V'yafrid b'nehem, and it separated them, min ha-nochama ashrahayu nochamim, from this battle that they were fighting. Now take a look back in the Eitz Yosef. V'hataninim nochamim, they were fighting. Nochemes hataninim ba'achzorius, it was a fierce battle. Chema, a heated battle. Hu ha-chonas haman le'etz lidlo, says Mordechai. On the one side, that was Haman's preparation in creating the gallows to hang Mordechai. He's ready to kill him, and he was one second away of reporting him to Achashverosh, but instead Achashverosh spoke first as he was the king, and so we need to honor somebody, and then it was Mordechai, as we all know happened. But Haman's completely prepared to kill Mordechai. So what's Mordechai's fierce war? What's he doing? He doesn't appear so fierce in the, in the Megillah. Strong. V'hachanas Mordechai l'hashpalas Haman b'tefillah. His fierce war was through davening. Va'al Esther and through Esther. So that was, that was Mordechai's battle strategy, tefillah and Esther, because she's right in the right place at the right time. Now, who is the Mayan katan who's between them? So take a look on the, at the bottom. Matnos Kahun, I think it came out in the photocopy, right? The very bottom of the page? Okay, so last line, in the middle of the line, Mayun, Mayun. Who's the little spring of water? Remez le Esther. Esther is the little spring of water that all of a sudden is passing between these two fierce sea creatures. Alderach, as it says, Pasuk from Shirashim, Gan Na'ul, a closed garden, that usually represents a woman who's Tsanua. Mayun Chasum a guarded or closed-up spring. And this is Esther, because she's completely guarded herself and her identity and who she is. So she's the closed-up Mayan Chasum. She's the Mayan, according to the Matnos Kahuna. But we're going to see shortly, there's a few other perspectives on it. Okay, so now back to the Midrash. So the little spring, right, just a little tiny spring, all of a sudden comes by separates between the, between the Tanini. So in the Midrash, now it's the, the wide line, the first wide line, about five, six words in, toward the bottom. The Hamayan Govar. And the spring was becoming bigger and more powerful. It's growing in Mordechai's dream. And it turns into a raging river. Like an ocean, an ocean of water is now present. And it is a deluge walking, washing away the earth. Vayar, and Mordechai continues to see in his dream, and the sun shines now for the whole land, and the whole world is lit up by the sun. 
And this little tiny nation became elevated, Vahagavohim, Hushpalu, and the other mighty nations were lowered down, down, down. Vahishalom ve'emes b'chol ha'oretz, and there was peace and truth in the land. We'll just finish off the Midrash before we see the other Perushim. Vahi mehayom ahu v'ma'ala v'insur Mordechai es ha'chalom asher chalam. And from that day onward, which was many years earlier that Mordechai had the dream, he held on to it. Vayinsur means he guarded it. A little bit similar to the Torah of Yaakov, Shamar es Hadavor. Yaakov held on to it. He guarded it. That means he held it inside. And he, he filed it in the back of his mind. Okay, one day we're going to come back to this dream. And now here it is, I think, seven years later, and now when Haman is creating trouble and pain for the Jews, Amar la Esther, he said to Esther, by means of the messenger, Remember the dream I told you seven years ago when you were just a young lady? Remember I told you that dream I had in the second year of Ahasuerus' reign? Now, here we are. It's here. The dream is happening. Kumi, arise. Ubakshi rachamim eis ha-kodesh boruchu. Ask Hashem for rachamim. Why? Because she's the spring in the middle. And he saw that in the dream. And he, see, he saw that that's going to become more and more powerful and wash everything away. So he knows it's her. She's the Mayan. And then it closes up. Uboi lifnei ha-melech. Come before the king. Vihishanini alameich. And pray for your nation and for your birthplace, for Klai Yisrael. That's what he tells Esther. Now let's just uh, finish up the Mephorshim on that. So now go, let's go back to the Eitz Yosef. Uh, the Eitz Yosef says, Mayun It's about um, a little more than halfway down the left column. A small spring, one small spring. The Yosef says, He ha-teshuva v'ha-tefila sh'asu. The Mayan is tshuva and tefila. That's the spring of water. Al-derech sh'amru chazal. As it says in chazal, gabe a pasuk, when the Oron was taken from Kla Yisrael by the Plishtim, and then in the time of David HaMelech, they got it back. So it says there in Sefer Shmuel, v'yishavu mayim, they drew water, Hashem, and they poured it out before Hashem. What does that refer to? Pouring out water? They poured out their heart like water. And similarly, a postic that we're all familiar with, pour out your heart like water, which refers to tshuva and tfila. And through this, they were saved from the battle against Haman. So that's the little spring, which grows into an enormous, powerful force, Truva and Phila. Now, if we look at what Mordechai said to Esther, go and pray before, before Hashem and supplicate uh, Plead before Ahasuerus for your nation. For your nation. So I'm thinking maybe it's a combination of those two things. Because she is the Mayan, according to the Matnos Kahuna, but he's also telling her to, to daven. 
about this and plead. So maybe it's a little combination of both. Then, uh, still continuing in the Etsyoset, Vahamayan Nigor, the, the spring, it became bigger. Vahilanachal Shoteif, and it became a raging river. Marames Almashagovar Koach Hatefila Lihios Hayehudim Sholtimu Misnasim. The dream was demonstrating how the power of Tefila helped the Jews to overcome and defeat their enemies. The great power of Tefila, just a few words, Annas, becomes a strong river of support. Vihine Zorcha Hashemesh, and it concluded with the sun shining, that's how, what was the end of the dream. So the Eitz Yosef says, as it says, La Yehudim Ora Simcha. It was light for the Jews. That's the sun that was shining, the Sassan Viyakor. Okay, now we got one more commentary to, to see, and then be happy to take your questions. So now move over a little bit more to the left on your page, where it says, Anaf Yosef. It's toward the top, about an inch down, Anaf Yosef, another perush on the Midrash Rabbah. Ayin Be'etz, so look in the Eitz Yosef, which we just did. So, so far we have the Mayun as Esther or Tshuva and Fila. And he says one more thing. Also possible to, to say that the small spring is Torah. And Torah is often compared to water. We still have to understand, it has to make sense. So we, so we can't just say it's Torah. What, what's the context? After Haman made the tree. All right, so let's get the context here. The first party with Esther and Ahasuerus, that has already happened. Esther then says to them, come to my next party. That night, Haman goes home, goes to his family. He's riding high. I'm the only one that was invited with Ahasuerus. So Zerah says, take a, a tree. 50 amos high, and create gallows, and go tell Ahasuerus you're going to hang Mordechai on. So that was the night after the first party. Now, the Midrash says that as Haman is walking by, what happens? La'achar after he made the gallows, holach lo Mordechai, he went to Mordechai. Umetza'o shahoya yoshe beves ha-Midrash v'atinokos yoshim lefanav, and he found Mordechai in the base Midrash with children that were with him, v'sakim b'masnehem, and they were dressed in sackcloth, little children. And not only that, the Midrash says there were 22,000 of them. And not only that, but they were fasting for three days. Kinderlach. Mordechai made the children fast, not only the men and the women, but the children were on their third day of fasting. No food, no water, nothing. And there they are, what are they doing? The Oskim B'Torah. They were studying Torah. And they were crying because of hunger. And I'll just fill it in a little bit. Their mothers came to the base Midrash, good Yiddish Amamas, and they said, eat something so you will not die out of hunger on account of the decree of Haman. So they said, no, we will stay here with our Rebbe Mordechai and continue to learn Torah. So what did Haman do when he saw these 22,000 children? This is still from the Midrash a little later. 
He chained them up in chains of steel, all the children. And he said, I will kill you first. First thing you, the kids, then I'll hang Mordechai. They all cry. Until their cry went up to heaven. And Hashem's rachamim were aroused. And he rose off of his throne of Deen, and he sat down on his throne of Racham, just like in Rosh Hashanah, that same pattern. So their cries go up, and it's the cries of Tinoko Shobes Rabban, uh, the innocent children, that ultimately causes Hashem to get off of the Kisei Shaldin and onto the Kisei of Rachamim. And the Midrash there says that the decree which was sent out down here by Haman, there was also a decree up there in Shemayim. And that decree was sealed with teat, which is clay. had a clay seal on it. And it was at that moment that Hashem broke the seal of the letter in Shemayim. That was the decree on high. So, now that we have that background, we see that there's a, a Torah factor here as well. Because Mordechai Davka gathered the children to study Torah. That's what he was trying to do, create that zechuth. So they had to tefillah because Esther said, Leich, Kenosis, Kol HaYehudim, gather all the Jews and fast and pray. They had tefillah. Now Mordechai comes in with Torah and Davka with children. Zeh mayim katan. So that's the spring of water, which is the Torah. Shekein ha-Torah meshul because Torah is often compared to water. Vahu mayan ha-misgaber, and it turns into a raging force of water, the power of Torah. So why was it called a mayan, specifically? V'gam karu ma'ayan milashon iyun, a lashon of studying, iyun, looking into something deeply that they were deeply studying Torah along with Mordechai. So the Mayun, which of course means a spring, but they chose that word because of the word Iyun to look deeply into something, representing Talmud Torah. Why was it called Katan? The Nikra Katan, because they were Katanim. They were children. That's why it's a Mayun Katan. Because this is the breath of the mouth of the children, she'ein bo and they have no chet, it's pure. L'chein koru gazardin shal Yisrael, they tore up the gazardin shal Yisrael up there in Shemayim. V'amad ha-kadosh boruchu mikiseidin al-kiseirachamim v'nisbatla ha-gezeirah. And Hashem went from the kiseidin to the kiseirachamim and the gezeirah was nullified. V'hamayon nigor and that stream, that, that spring, now starts to become stronger. And becomes a raging river of Zechus of Torah. That shows that it spread from the kids to the adults. So the imagery in the dream of the little spring coming into a raging river, that means the Torah of the children then went and influenced the adults. And now all Klai Yisrael is studying Torah. Kamosh HaKasa B'Perakama de Megillah, as it says in the Maseches Megillah, La Yehudim Hoya, should be Hoysa, Ora, there was light, what does that mean? Zu Torah. 
Upirish Rashi Zal, Rashi says there, and this now ties in the, the Torah factor, Shagazar Haman Shalo Yasku B'Torah. Part of Haman's decree is that the Jews were not allowed to study Torah. Not so well known. So he decreed they can't study Torah. Vayar, and so therefore, what does Mordechai do? He gathers the children to study Torah. It's like Rabbi Akiva in a certain way. There's a punishable by death in those times with Rabbi Akiva's death, when he was killed, our Kiddush Hashem. So here too, Mordechai gathers them all to study Torah. Vayar v'hinei zorcha Hashemesh, the sun shone, l'cholo oretz, to the whole land, shazorcha shimsha shal Torah, the sun of Torah, the sunlight of Torah, shine, dehodor kibluha bimeach hashverosh, because as we all know, there was a second type of Kabbalah Torah in the time of Ahasuerus, the Jews accepted the Torah once again, kimu v'kiblu. So that's the Torah there. And what the Eitz Yosef also points out is that even though the Jews had the decree because they were nehene from the Sa'ud of Ahasuerus, that's why we were vulnerable to the, to the decree, it's also pointed out by Chazal that we were lax in Torah study in that generation. And that made us vulnerable to Amalek, because when did Amalek attack us in the Torah? When we went three days without Torah. So that was part of our vulnerability, and therefore Mordechai is strengthening the, the zechus of the Torah in a very dramatic way through the Tinoko Shobes Rabin. And that's what Haman came upon that very night, and of course he goes to Ahasuerus, and that's the beginning of his downfall. If you think about it, right, right then and there, when the kids were crying, that's when the decree was torn up in Shemayim. And the very next thing is when Haman goes to Ahasuerus, under the pretense of he wants to hang Mordechai, and that's when Ahasuerus says to him, how do we honor somebody who we'd like to honor? And Haman says, that's got to be me. Right? And then it turns out to be Mordechai. Right then and there, that's the beginning of the downfall of Haman. That's where it is. Just by the way, very fascinating comment. I'm not sure if I saw it in Evan Ezra or in the Alshuch on Megillus Esther. So we asked the question, why did Esther make two parties? And why did she say at the first party, okay, come to my second party? Why not just expose more at Haman at the first party? There are all kinds of reasons for this. Building a suspense against Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus thinks that Haman and Esther are in cahoots, that they're going to kill him. He's, very, he's not very suspicious of Haman. But either the Ebenezer or the Alshech said that when Esther made the first party, she still did not see anything about Haman that represented he started to fall. Nothing happened yet. So she's waiting to see just the moment when Haman starts to fall. So when did this all happen? The night after the first party. And then the next day, when Haman goes to her second party, he has already begun to fall. That's when he had to march Mordechai around the street. That was the morning of the second party. And he comes in with garbage on him from his daughter, poured on him, and she commits suicide. And he starts to fall horribly. Now Esther sees Haman's falling. She says, that's the moment. And she exposes Haman at the second party. But at the first party, she had not yet seen any nephila in Haman and his stature. So she's not about 
to jump forward yet with her plan. She waits for something Mina Shamayan to show that he's started to fall. Okay, some questions. Yeah, Linda, please. First of all, the, the um, image of these children being chained mm-hmm. up is so powerful. Yes, yeah, unbelievable. How is it possible, if this actually happened, that that didn't make it into the Megillah? Because that would be an awesome thing to tell people right. to refer them forever. <laughs> I know. Look, what, what, what is included in Torah Shabifat, not Torah, it's, it's Nevim, it's Kesuvim, but nonetheless it's the same principle. And what's included in Torah Shabbat, the truth is we don't really know these things. We don't really know that. Why Davka Mordechai and Esther wrote this and that, that it was written Baruch HaKodesh, that we know for sure the, the Gemara says so and it's part of Tanakh. So why this and why not that? It's, all, it's only open to speculation. But does everybody accept that these things happen or just that word? I, I, I did not see any separate opinion on this Midrash, Midrash Rabbah here, that somehow conflicted it or contradicted it. I didn't see anything like that. So it seems to be that, yeah, that's, that's the case. And I'm going to tell you, that there's a lot of Midrash on Esther. There's a lot. And there's a lot of things that are not written in the Megillah. It comes to us through Torah Sheba Al-Peh, but that, that's, how, that's the format of the Torah. You want to find out a little more? We've got we to gotta go a little deeper and find out a little more. That's how it is. Well, it could be. It could very well be that it's a remnant to the Gula Achrona. Because you know, we always have that. When, when we have a Yom Tov in Yisrael that celebrates Gula, there's always uh, the Gula Shlema uh, qualities in that. So I like your idea. It's very possible that in the remez of, of the Gula of, of Purim, there's also a remez to the Gula HaAsir, that may be a main. I, well, we'll, we'll, have, we'll figure it out. We don't know. <laughs> it's called the... What did you say in this fact? No, please. Yeah, leave yasin. Leave yasin preacher, yeah. Mm-hmm. So these are tanini. Oh, that reminded me. I wanted to share with you why, perhaps why they're called tanini. Why sea creatures? Because it's all based on water here. That's where everything comes from. They're being mevatal Torah. That's Haman's power. He's the sea creature. They start to learn Torah. That's Mordechai's power. He's the other sea creature. They're not davening. That's Haman's power. We start to daven. That's Mordechai's power. So they're sea creatures. They're deriving their life, their force, their power from water. Either the lack of it, which is Haman's koach, or the presence of it, which is Mordechai's koach. So perhaps that's specifically why uh, Tanini. Elka, was your hand up before? Yeah, please. Mordecai was a Rebbe. Yes, he was. So, with this dream, did he know that this was a prophetic dream, or he just knew this is like an amazing dream? He clearly knew it was something. Now, whether it was Nevuah or whether it was Ruach HaKodesh, we're not really informed by the Midrash, but it does say, I'm sorry, Ms. Ram? Okay, so that, that would be unusual, but not completely impossible. 
because Yechezkel Hanavi had Nevoah. But I would rather say, actually, based on what Mrs. Frand is saying, it's more likely it was not Nevoah. Because the exception to Nevoah in Eretz Yisrael, which is always stated, is Yechezkel. That's the exception. He had Nevoah in Bavel. And they don't say that Mordechai had Nevoah outside of Eretz Yisrael. So, th- therefore, it would seem that it's Ruach HaKodesh, which you can have anywhere, not just in Eretz Yisrael. And the Midrash says that he held on to it. Right? He knew this is a significant dream. So it's probably a Ruach HaKodesh or Ruach HaKodesh type of um, experience. Okay. And, um, I yeah. Jump in. So, yeah. They may have had. They may have had some fear. Excuse me. been a fear factor. For them. Uh-huh. They have to be authorized, you know, to kill the Jews. Those times, uh-huh. maybe, yeah. And um, so the other thing is that when the pasuk is that the king had trouble sleeping, and the Megillah itself changes its tune. There's a little kinech there in Nadudash and Asama. Different Balai Kri have different ways of doing it, yeah. But it is a they bring it out. definite change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it sounds usually like something terrible is going to happen, but really, this is the start of all the good things. Right, that's why it's emphasized. The emphasis is because this is the turn of events. Right here, but Nadudash and Asama. Ilana, you had a question? I was just going to ask if Mordechai knew. Yeah, so it, it doesn't seem like it, right, because he, he had to hold on to it and kind of wait for it to play itself out. But then once he sees it happening with the decree of Haman and Ahasuerus, then he recognizes that this, this is what I saw in the dream. So he also got a heads up that it was going to end well. He did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, he did. Nachashotev. And perhaps, you know, we could tie that in to what Mordechai says to Esther, if you don't do this, the Jews will be saved. It's only a question as to whether or not you will be a part of it, but the Jews will be saved. So that's usually taken as an expression of Mordechai's bitachon. He knows that. But it could also be, you know, not to take away anything from Mordechai's bitachon, but it could also be that he understood that from the dream. Yeah. Please, yes, Anna. Could you say that, that he's attacking, attacking it from two points, from Esther and the children? Yes. Or are there just like two different opinions here? No, I think Esther it's both. Yeah, I think it's both. I think it's all three. I think that you have Esther in her role, that she is the Mayan. I think you have Tefillah, which is what Esther wanted Mordechai to do, to gather all the Jews together. Leich Kenosis Kol And then you have Torah with Mordechai and the... 22,000 in the Kindulach who are learning Torah. I think all three things that they're making sure to address because that's where, where we're vulnerable. That's where the Gazardine um, is gaining its strength against us. Yeah, please. It just came to my mind that <clears throat> I don't know what Esther was thinking when Mordechai told her, well, if she doesn't do this or that, help will come from another, mm-hmm. from another. 
Oh, we don't know what she was thinking, but she definitely understood it's got to be, has to be me. I'm in the place. I heard from Mordechai. I'm going to make sure to do it. And she, of course, puts her own life on the line. Truly, she could have been killed at that point. Yeah, yeah. she was afraid to go to the Hasbaros, you know, if, right. you know if, if he's not expecting anybody. Right, she could be killed. And then she hears those words from Mordechai, and in her greatness, she steps forward. After three days fasting, too. As we saw in the Midrash that the Malachim had to hold up her head. She was so weak. Yeah. She's completely giving herself up, right? That's it. Avaditi, Avaditi. Yeah. Yeah, please, Mrs. Smith. Um, first, um, when it says, Vayishavu um, Mayim, is that the Beit HaMikdash we're talking about? Um, I don't think so. I mean, it's in the time of Zavad HaMelech. So it's Kodem Beit HaMikdash. And the, the Aron Kodesh is be, being, being brought back after it was held by the police team for quite a bit of time. So they do tshuva. I don't. I, I did not. I didn't look up the pasuk. I know it's in Shmuel Aleph, as to where they they drew the water from. So the other thing is, you know, when you're a little girl, you, know, you dress up as Queen Esther and yeah. all the. Her life is a tragedy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just unbelievable what Esther went through, and in her in her godless what she achieved. A, a word of nechama about this point regarding Esther HaMalka. So as, uh, as Debbie just mentioned, that when she says, Kashur Avaditi Avaditi, now I'm going into Ahasuerus Baratzon, so I'll be prohibited to Mordechai now as his wife. Before it was Va'unas, so she wouldn't be prohibited. So it seems like according to that, that, that's it, that was it for Mordechai and Esther, they couldn't be married anymore. But it may not be the case. Because we don't know that they were actually together. When she went into Ahasuerosh and she made her request, we don't know if they were physically together or not. The Megillah does not say that they were. But wasn't Daryavish her grandson? Yes, but that could have been from before. She could have been pregnant with him from before. Right. And also there's a machlokus about whether or not Daryavish was the son of, of Ahasuerus and Esther. There's a machlokus in Chazal. Some say he was, some say he wasn't. But even if he was, that could have been prior to that. Wait, so how did, that's yeah. okay? So if, you're, if she was like equivalent of rape yes. before, yes. and then afterwards goes willingly, then anything before? No, no. From that point and onward, she becomes prohibited to Mordechai. Not, it does not affect anything from before. Yeah. So you're saying that she might not have been right, because if at that point when she went at that at that moment she was going baratzon, she voluntarily went there. So if they were together, she would have become prohibited to Mordechai. But following that, most likely it's back to Ones again. <coughs> so if they were not together, then Esther gave up her relationship with Mordechai, because as far as she knew, knowing Ahasuerus, like they were going to be together, that's all he did. But it could be that didn't happen. And I also saw as well, in one of the Mephorshim last year, I don't remember which one, 
that it's possible to say that even though Esther thought that was Baratzon, that it wasn't. That was also Baones. She had no choice. They go save the Jewish people. You have no choice. That's not Ratzon. She doesn't want to be with Achashverosh. So yes, she initiated it, but you can't call that Ratzon. Now, not everybody agrees with that. I'm just bringing out another tzad in terms of Mrs. Fran's comment because it's so true how much we feel for Esther and everything that she gave up. But it's very possible that there's a silver lining there that she actually was able to be with Mordechai following that. Yeah. Uh, pardon me? It was not her red son. It was not her red son. We don't know. We don't know whether or not she got back together with Mordechai now. I like to think yes. <laughs> she didn't have two husbands. Achishverosh was not her husband. That's all like one long-term onus. One long-term victim of circumstances. Ahasuerus is not her husband. Plus, he's not Jewish. There's no Kedushin anyway. A queen yeah. of Ahasuerus yeah. would never be allowed to go back to anyone. In terms of the law, right? You, you can't yeah. marry the... Yeah. So there's something very strange here, the Gemara says, and very hard for me to understand it, that Esther went back and forth between Ahasuerus and Mordechai. So that, therefore, yeah, she, she was between one and the other. The Gemara says that. I don't know. I don't know. And how could you not know that, therefore, that she's Jewish and, and there was definitely a more obvious connection between them, but somehow it was concealed from her. It's very unusual, very mysterious. But the Gemara says that she went from Ahasuerus to Haman, I'm sorry, to Mordechai, that she went back and forth. But she maintained somehow her marital relationship with Mordechai. It's very hard to figure out. Yeah. In term, I mean, he wasn't. He wouldn't say what the Germans. They don't want to be. You know, they had a thing about Jews. They were that the Jews were vermin. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So Achashverosh, right? They, they raped. They raped Jewish women. The Holocaust. They raped Jewish women. Right, so their taiva is a different story than their sina. They were married. They were husband and wife. It was his niece or cousin, but they were married as well. Lebas, lebayas, the Gemara says, yeah. The sun should shine for all of us. The sun. Shimsha Shel Torah. Have a great week, everybody. You tell again, Chaydish. Esther, I'm Elka. You had a question.